One of the Republican candidates running for governor in Wisconsin this year is out this week with a plan to pay lawmakers less. He wants to classify us as a part-time legislator. Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. Wisconsin in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can listen to Wisconsin in Focus and all of our podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. Now here's your host, Bruce Walker. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Managing Editor for The Center Square. Wisconsin in Focus is brought to you by America's Talking Network. If you're tired of the divisive rhetoric coming from echo chambers in our country today, America's Talking Network has been made for you. America's Talking Network is a new podcast hub where you can find news, civil conversations, and all of the Center Square podcasts. The only agenda that America's Talking Network has is to get America talking again. Go to americastalking.com to check out all of our podcasts. Once again, that's americastalking.com. We're recording this podcast on Thursday, March 31st. And joining me today after a week off on vacation is Clark Griswold. No, um, Ben Yount, the Center Square's Wisconsin correspondent. Hello, Ben. How are you? It's not that we drove to Florida and Disney World was closed. I didn't have to punch the mouse in the nose. We just we 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 chose we chose not to explore the opportunities of beautiful sunshiny pool laced Orlando. Instead, I opted for the beauty of St. Charles, Missouri and the splendor of the Embassy Suites next to the convention center. So, I mean, you know, some people prefer sun and sand and and other people prefer rainy days in Missouri's fifth largest metro area. Um, I guess I'm one of the latter. Oh, rainy days and Mondays always get me down. So (laughs) and rain on Monday, too. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, if I was a carpenter and you were a lady, (laughs) you might be Karen. So anyway, are you a Karen? You're not a Karen. No, I, I'm not. I'm not a Karen, uh, although my my wife is a tiger mom. She's one of these women who and I'm glad because, you know, is as, 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 as verbose as I am here on these podcasts, you know, I waiter brings me French fries instead of the mashed potatoes that I ordered. I'm not going to complain. My lovely wife is going to complain. And, and by God, somebody's getting mashed potatoes lickety split. And, and I love her for that. Well, we're we're lucky we're lucky fellers. We certainly are. So hey, listen, um, just before we signed on to do this podcast today, March 31st, you sent me a story that you had just written. And I have not had a chance to read it yet, Ben, but it seems pretty gosh darn interesting. What are those crazy people in Madison up to now? This this is and and this is one of these things where two two things can be true at the same time, right? I say this all the time. Two two very intelligent people can look at the exact same set of facts and come away with two different conclusions. Two things can be true at the same time. Kevin Nicholson, who is one of the Republican candidates running for governor in Wisconsin this year, is out this week with a plan to pay lawmakers less. He wants to cut the fifty five thousand dollar and change salary that Wisconsin lawmakers have and and classify us as a part-time legislator. Now, 
some of this is one of these good government ideas that just sort of makes the rounds. He's not the first candidate or, or even first lawmaker to say, hey, we should be a citizen legislature. We we don't need a professional political class. And, and again, that there, there is some truth to that. There is also well, I, truth. I, I want you I want you to do that in the voice of Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I, I cannot do a good Jimmy Stewart uh, impression. I, I, I that's not one that I ever developed. I have a really bad Bill Clinton impression, but I don't think that fits in this story. The uh, other thing our, that's if, true. If our if our producer were on board, I'm sure he could do a decent. He does some great <laughs> impersonations. Well, it's, yeah. well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get him. Is, is our our generations or your generations because i'm a little bit older uh rich little so <laughs> i don't know if that's a compliment or, or or an insult i never liked rich little but the the other thing that's true about this is nicholson is is running and he's he's in second place in a two person primary on the republican ticket and he's running as the outsider so some of this idea of saying we don't need a a political class is him once again thumbing his nose at the political class. That includes the very powerful assembly speaker here in Wisconsin, Robin Voss, and the Republican frontrunner, Rebecca Clayfish, who is the former lieutenant governor. So uh, how much of how much of Nicholson's plan is purely based on wanting to have more, as, as he puts it, cops and firefighters and teachers and shopkeepers in the legislature? How much of this is his his way of of being able to get headlines here or here on, on our website and in newspapers across the state by saying yeah yeah stick it to the man i you know it, little column a little column b two two things can be true at the same time but this is this really is one of these times where you don't think how much lawmakers make until somebody points this out and the national conference of state legislatures ncsl if you're trying to keep up on your acronyms has a list and I was kind of struck by this. In Pennsylvania, they make $90,000 a year as lawmakers. And for anybody who doesn't pay attention to state government, that's an awful lot of people in this country. While it may be a full-time job, it's not a full-time schedule. Generally, legislatures are in from sometime after the new year till perhaps as late as May or, or, or June. Usually it's just a couple of days a week, just a couple of hours a day. Now, when it gets time to making the budget, there are some very, very, very long days. But this is not a nine to five, 12 months out of the year. This is maybe an eight to three, less than six months out of the year. And Pennsylvania comes in at the top of the NCSL list at 90 grand per year. Michigan is second. $71,000 a year for its lawmakers. Massachusetts is third at just over 70. Our, our neighbors to the south here in, in, in Wisconsin, down in Illinois, they make $69,000 and change per year. And they are barely in session January till, till the end of May. And really, they don't start showing up till the end of, of April. Compare that to New Mexico, where lawmakers don't earn anything. There's zero base salary. They get sort of per mile and maybe a little bit of per diem for only the days that they're in. New Hampshire and a lot of those New England states pay very little as well. New Hampshire on the NCSL list gets $100 a year, $100 for the entire year. And Kansas pays just 88 bucks per session day. So Nicholson saying, hey, look, Wisconsin lawmakers were in session barely till March. We're, we're, we are in March this year. Or this is the last day of March and lawmakers have been out of the Capitol for at least a couple of weeks. 
he has a point that they're getting full-time pay, $55,000 a year for less than part-time work. But again, there, there, is, there is something political about it. He did say, though, that you got to look at this. He wants to, to look at this like National Guard service, that it's not about the money. It's about the service. It's about the idea of, of people serving their state. And I asked him the question, and, and this is something I'll talk about on the radio. Is there any fear that if you don't pay lawmakers enough, that what you're going to get is a whole group of people who, one, can afford to do a job like this with all this power for little money? That comes down to the sort of lawyer or rich class of lawmaker. Or that, two, what you're going to end up with is not so much cops and firefighters and teachers and farmers and retired business owners, but you're going to end up with these sort of political hack class who see service in the legislature as their path to creating new laws, coming up with new regulations that they've got. They want the power and by God, they're going to get the power. And, and Nicholson didn't, didn't have the greatest of answers for that. He, he believes in the, the kindness and the goodness of, of Americans, uh, the, 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 the desire to serve from Wisconsinites. Uh, but yeah, this, this one's interesting. It's going nowhere, by the way. Uh, this is this is one of these. I'm in an election and I can throw this out. It's a slow time. There aren't a lot of other headlines across the state. Uh, and this will never go anywhere because, one, he has to get elected governor. Then he has to convince the legislature to lower its own pay. And uh, I, I haven't seen that. <laughs> That's an uphill climb. Right. Ever. Usually they sort of sneak in. Oh, well, we've got to vote on our pay raises because it's attached to the money for orphans and puppy dogs. And I don't want my pay to go up, but I really got to We got to save these orphans and puppy dogs. I've seen that game year after year after year after year. Uh, so while, while this is an interesting thing, I put it out on Twitter the other day and lots of people rallied to it. Yes, he's got my vote now. Uh, th this is th there's a better chance. Bruce, that I'm going to start center field for the Milwaukee Brewers, then there is a chance that this is going to become law. Well, I was going to personalize it a little bit and suggest perhaps maybe you run for public office, Ben, <laughs> and then perhaps maybe, perhaps maybe next year you could afford enough gasoline to get you past Missouri and all the way to Wally World. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not running for office. In fact, I'm running from people who run for office. That's the the, the, the best way to do it. Well, great. Let's 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 move along. And uh, you wrote a story uh, just recently about Wisconsin election managers ignoring the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling on absentee ballots that's something you just filed this morning and i was uh, is it never ending it's never ending i was i was wondering when we were going to get to elections in wisconsin where we're, we're about 10 minutes into this podcast and we haven't talked about the gableman report or the wisconsin supreme court on this I was, I, was, I was wondering just just what happened no we have an election next week here in wisconsin it's the spring election and it's local elections it's mayors it's school boards uh, local offices like that. I think that maybe some some, some county boards or, or town councils or, or, or the like. And there, there are two ways to read this story. Again, back to this two thing today. Um, this is either a story about confusion on behalf of voters, or it's a story about election managers who continue to try to do what they want, regardless of what Wisconsin's election laws say. 
And this was a story that I picked up by reading uh, a piece over at a Milwaukee TV station, CBS 58, if you want to give them the, the, the shout out. And theirs was very much the story of voter confusion. And well, in some communities, you can't use drop boxes. And in some communities, you can. And they went to some community up uh, north side of Milwaukee, just north of Milwaukee, where the ballot drop box is also the utility drop box. And oh, we can't get rid of it because then that confuses people. And buried way down at the end of the story, I mean, second to last paragraph, they quoted Milwaukee's election manager, a woman by the name of Claire Woodall Vogg. And if you've followed the Zuckerberg Five, if you followed any of the investigation from Mike Gableman, you're familiar with her name. She runs elections in the city of Milwaukee. And, and she said, look, we're not checking to see if people who are we're not checking to see if people are harvesting ballots. She lamented that because there are not ballot drop boxes, people can't just come and drop off handfuls of ballots, which is what ballot harvesting is. And, and the quote that, that really caught my eye, she said, there is no requirement to show proof of ID when returning a ballot, and we're not asking for any other proof. And this gets back to the heart of the question about ballot drop boxes is who's dropping off ballots Wisconsin law says only voters can drop off their own ballot. I can't give my ballot to my wife to drop off. I, I can't go and get my mom who's in a nursing home. I can't get her ballot and drop it off. Wisconsin law does not allow for that. But you have clerks, you have election managers in some, in some communities who are doing it anyway. Part of this is fed by a, a letter from the lawyers for the League of Wisconsin Municipalities. And these are these groups that come together to advocate for the positions of local governments. You have all manners of these sort of groups with education. You have all manners of these groups when it comes to county government or city government or park districts or whoever. They come together and they go and they press lawmakers for things that local governments want. Now, sometimes that's, that's good stuff, you know, grants for parks and, and, hey, let's find some money to fix roads. But the League of Wisconsin Municipalities is now weighing in on Wisconsin election law. And they're saying basically each clerk in each community, and we've got thousands of election clerks because you have sometimes one for the city and then another one for the county and then another one for the township. Thousands of election clerks are going to have to decide on their own what to do about this Wisconsin Supreme Court ruling that said ballot drop boxes and ballot harvesting are not allowed. The, the quote from the letter. Ultimately, each clerk will need to decide what to do, taking into consideration both state and federal law, the different ways the absentee ballot statute can be interpreted, and the risks of choosing one option over another, the letter from the league said. Now, that sounds very much like, well, you can go ahead and do what you want, but you may get sued. Goes on, say clerks who refuse to accept absentee ballots delivered by third parties on behalf of disabled electors may face claims they effectively prevented those voters from voting and face litigation under the Voting Rights Act or the Americans with Disabilities Act or both. But here's the problem. If you're not checking to make sure that that ballot is coming in on behalf of a disabled voter, how do you know that you are preventing a disabled voter from voting? The big picture here is we're once again heading into another election, this the spring election, which will decide the mayor of Milwaukee and, and mayors in, in, in many other communities. And the rules are different depending on where you vote. The, the, the rules are different depending on which community you live in. And some of the rules are, are, in, are in 
blatant disregard or, 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 or openly opposite of what Wisconsin's election law rights. This gets a little bit more. There's another layer to this when you talk about extra ballots, returning other people's ballots. Claire Woodall Vogs lament that there simply aren't more ballot drop boxes. State Rep Janelle Branchin last week had a hearing where she heard testimony that a group tracked through cell phone pings about 140 people who visited Dropbox, as she put it, 3,568 times in the days and weeks before the November 2020 election. Now, if you're returning your wife's ballot, if you're returning a ballot for your disabled mother, if you work at a nursing home and you've grabbed the residents and you're taking their ballot to the ballot box, 3,568 times seems like an awful lot. And yeah, that's one really of these questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, this, and you got to remember, because this was this was part of, of, of what all Vogue's lament is that, well, people have become so accustomed to using these ballot drop boxes. Voters in Wisconsin have had two elections to use drop boxes, April of 2020 and November of 2020. That's it, just two elections. This is not something that dates back 50, 60 years. This is not the tradition. This is not the norm. This was all brand new. And, and at the time, and, and, and in the evidence since, there have been lots of questions as to how the, those how those ballot drop boxes were used. Were they used for convenience or were they used for ballot harvesting and to get around voter ID laws? Okay. Do you want to uh, bring me up to speed on what's happening with the Zuckerbucks issue? Uh, well, it's Anything uh, new to the, report on that. The the most recent, and I haven't had time to file this story yet. Uh, I'm waiting for the official response. The most recent part of the Gableman probe, the Zuckerbucks probe, the the, the Wisconsin 2020 election review, is that a judge yesterday, I guess Wednesday, uh, found. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss in contempt of court because he has not turned over more emails as part of a open records request. This is we, we've written about this before that an outside third party group is filed hundreds, hundreds of open records requests to try and get inside and see just what's going on with the Gableman investigation. And the speaker has said publicly for months that, look, there's a reason he was the point person here. So he was the only one who had to deal with this, this, this voluminous court filing. He's the only one who had to be sued. He's the only one who had to worry about this, as opposed to having, you know, a half dozen or a dozen lawmakers have to do the same thing. The judge has said, you didn't give us all your emails. You didn't give us all your calendars. Voss's response is essentially, well, we don't have them. They were deleted. We can get you stuff out of the, 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 the public email addresses. We control that. But anything that's been deleted out of Gmail, that's that's a Gmail thing and, and we can't get you. Well, this judge in Madison, which is code word for liberal judge, has said that's not good enough and has given Voss two weeks to turn over things or or, or, or give proof that he can't turn them over or else Voss will face a fine of a thousand dollars per day and the like. And, and the, the judge has essentially said, look. The, the assembly speaker is 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 wantingly ignoring this court's will. Now, as I put out on Twitter and as Speaker Voss then retweeted, this all comes as the mayors of Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay, Racine, Kenosha, you know, the Zuckerberg five continue to fight the investigation. They've 
never turned over the information that was subpoenaed from them. No judge has found them in contempt of court. No judge has said, well, if you don't comply, we are going to find you. So there, there continues to be this, I, I don't know, double standard is the best word. Hypocrisy is the best word. It, two different interpretations of the law is the best phrase. But yeah, while a judge in Madison is threatening the assembly speaker with fines for not turning over emails that he no longer has, you have the mayors of Milwaukee and Madison and Green Bay, Racine and Kenosha, thumbing their nose or using one of their other digits to respond to the Gableman investigation. And judges are perfectly clear with that. So that I'm sure I'm, I'm just looking into my crystal ball, Bruce. I'm just looking into it. And I imagine we'll be talking about that next week here on Wisconsin in Focus. Looking forward to it, Ben. I think we have time for just one more story recap. And why don't we talk about the uh, Wisconsin Republican U.S. Senator who wants federal low bail review? Yeah, Wisconsin's Republican U.S. Senator. It makes it easy. We have a Republican and a Democrat. So when you when you want to describe which senator you're talking about, you say Wisconsin's Republican U.S. Senator or Wisconsin's Democratic U.S. Senator. This one is the Republican Ron Johnson. And he's asking for the Department of Justice to take a look at bail practices in every state because Wisconsin is sort of the center of low bail after Daryl Brooks Jr. allegedly sped his car through the Waukesha Christmas Parade back in November, killed six people, injured more than 60 others. He was out on a thousand dollars bail after another domestic violence incident where police say he ran a woman over with the very same car. but. Johnson says, look, we need to know who is being allowed back out on the street. We need to know if there are other states that have policies for low or no bail and just what's going on. And this is part of the national conversation you see in many bigger cities. Prosecutors have decided against cash bail, whether that's a, a social justice issue or, or, or a financial justice issue, as Democrats in Wisconsin continue to argue, remains to be seen. Uh, this, too, is, is going absolutely nowhere. Uh, Johnson is a Republican. The Democrats control Congress for now. The Democrats control the Department of Justice. So while, while it's an interesting question to say, hey, let's let's look at what the 50 laboratories of democracy are doing when it comes to the issue of keeping people in jail or letting people out. Uh, I don't expect much to come from it. Gotcha. Well, that's about all the time we have for today for this episode of Wisconsin in Focus. And I'd like to thank Ben Yount for all of his news insight. Welcome him back from uh, what seems like a wonderful vacation in Missouri. I mean, Missouri. So you can read all of the Center Square stories as well as Ben's at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. And listen to the Center Square podcast at americastalking.com. I'm Bruce Walker, Midwest Regional Editor for the Center Square. Ben and I will be back next week.